Stock have too high a price? Buy a slice. Trade fractional shares of your favorite U.S. stocks and ETFs in any dollar amount you choose with zero commissions online. Get started at fidelity.com slash stocks by the slice. Fractional share quantities can be entered to three decimal places if the value of the order is at least one cent. Dollar-based trades can be entered to two decimal places. Sell orders are subject to an activity assessment fee from one cent to three cents per $1,000 of principal. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. It's hard to look away from when you feel like you're watching a car crash and it has a very controlled car crash vibe. Like I'm always like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. But I can't look away. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. Surprise! We're here with a special bonus episode of Here to Make Friends, taped from a live panel about feminism and dating reality TV at The Wing in Dumbo, Brooklyn. We were joined for this panel by two very special guests. Uh, One was Ashley Spivey, a former Bachelor contestant and current critic of the franchise. We love Ashley. She's been on the show a bunch of times. Um, But also a new guest, Mila Holifield, one of the star daters on Netflix's Dating Around, a show that we loved so much. Ashley and Mila joined us in diving into why we're so compelled by dating-themed reality TV in the first place, what we can fix about it, and whether fixing it is even really possible. You know, Claire and I started here to make friends because we watched The Bachelor franchise, like so many Americans. And we found that watching the show brought up all these questions about feminism and the antiquated tropes that the show reinforced. And we wanted to talk about that. And now that we've been talking about it for years and critiquing the (laughs) franchise... Um, And watching some other dating shows that are a little more consciously progressive and feminist, we wanted to talk about what the end game is for feminist critique of reality dating shows. You know, where can feminism take reality dating shows in the future? And in particular, where can it take The Bachelor, which is its biggest success as a genre? Yeah, we got real meta during this panel. (laughs) First, we chatted with Ashley and Mila about their specific experiences on their respective shows. And then we kind of took it to that bigger conversation, including a really, really sharp audience Q&A. And we talked about how we want the genre to evolve. Uh, Hope you enjoy listening to it. We're so excited to be here at The Wing tonight. Thank you all for coming. We are joined tonight by a couple guests. We have Mila Holfield. Hi, guys. She was on Netflix's Dating Around, if any of y'all have seen it. It's great. And Ashley Spivey, friend of the pod uh, and, you know, outspoken critic of the Bachelor franchise, which she was also... uh, a part of at one at one point. Everyone hates me. 
I don't know, not this crowd. Yeah. This is, yeah, this, these are your people, so. Yeah, thanks for being here tonight. So we're going to start by just kind of talking to the two of you about what your individual experiences were on your respective reality dating shows, because it's an experience that, you know, only a small group of people has really had, and we are endlessly fascinated. So for each of you, what initially drew you to be on the show that you were on? Um, I think for me, um, I hadn't dated a lot in the first place when I was called on to do the opportunity or to do the show. Um, and then it was really about representing more than just me as well. You know, I'm a queer woman of color and, you know, I feel like how many times do you see that on a, a media display at all? So I, it was really just to represent, to have the experience and also to represent more than just me. Uh, mine is a little more petty. <laughs> So uh, when I first moved to New York, I moved up here with a boyfriend. I caught him in bed with another girl. He wanted to become an actor. I was like, I'm going to beat you to TV. So I sent in my application for The Bachelor, and they were like, this girl's crazy. Let's get her on the show. And uh, yeah, that's why I went on. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. <laughs> So at the time that, uh, actually, that you went on the show, were you thinking about The Bachelor's sort of uh, reputation as a sort of, in certain ways, retrograde depiction of women and end of dating for women? So, you know, back when I went on, social media didn't really exist. I mean, we had Facebook, and I think I signed up for Twitter the year that I went on. Um, so I feel like we weren't really talking about the show in the ways that we are now. Um, I was just like, one, I want to get my boyfriend like back for what he did Two, I want to like go on some trips. I guess you could say I wasn't there for the right reason. <laughs> um, but then once I actually got on the show, it is really crazy how, you kind of get tricked into liking the person <laughs> or thinking that you like them, or maybe it's just you're competing against everyone else. Um, so I would say that uh, at the time, I was not in my right mind to be thinking about those things. Uh, but since getting off the show, I, I hope I've made up for that in some ways. <laughs> this is just your penance, is Yeah, what you're exactly. <laughs> So for both of you, can you just talk a little bit about like what the experience of filming was like? Did, did you feel like the overall experience of it was a positive one? Uh, yeah, we, we filmed for a week. Um, I took off for work. We filmed for a week and like the crew became family. It went from me sitting down in a restaurant with across from someone I didn't know um, around people I didn't know because it was cameras everywhere um, to like, hey, Kevin, hey, Mike, how's it going? Oh, my God. You know, um, it was really a positive experience. For those people here who might not have seen the show, can you just kind of explain what the format of it is? Also, if anyone hasn't, watch it on Netflix. It's really <laughs> fascinating. Thank you. Um, I knew the creators and the directors wanted it to be like a uh, 
documentary style reality dating um, for New Yorkers. So it was just like a widespread of um, if I was, there was someone on there, he was a widower. Um, there was Leonard, a sweetie, sweetie pie. Um, he was an older gentleman. Um, there was a, a Indian woman who had been divorced. So it was like a, a widespread of people that you don't normally see um, on dating shows at all, let alone like TV, just being like, this is their real lives, you know? And each each episode focuses on one dater, yeah, right? And yeah. then you went on how many first dates? I went on five blind first dates. <laughs> the producers would come up to my room and I was like, just give me their name. He's like, and well, like, we'll show me a picture of like their shoes. And that's it. Um, so yeah, it was all blind dates. And literally when the camera saw the person come around the corner, that's when I saw them. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, this is slightly off topic, but I always wondered... You wear the same outfit on every date. It's all filmed yep. in a week. Do they dry clean that for you every night, or what's the <laughs> setup there? I had multiple. This is the one of the most asked questions. I had <laughs> multiple outfits that they bought. Um, the top and jeans. Um, I think it was three. So then some were like rewashed, um, sent to the dry cleaners. But yeah, so for every day, they were so like you Here. were clean. Yeah, I was yeah, clean. Was good. Showered. Outfit they cleaned. bought them for you. Yeah, wow. yeah, the stylist. Yeah, <laughs> like they don't they don't do that on no. the Bachelor, do they? No, they don't. That sounded so pleasant, and nice. <laughs> well, if you're the star dater, if you're the Bachelor, you get some wardrobe. So you just got to be in charge. So you know, watching back the show later, like, did you both watch your your seasons of the show, and and how did you feel having seen how it was edited? I was nervous. I was a ball of nerves. Me and my uh, my girlfriend, we watched it together. And um, I was just like, oh, five, five days. We would start filming at like seven, they would call me down. And then we would end at maybe three, four, sometimes maybe five o'clock. And a week worth of editing, I'm just like, what is it going to be? And it got, And they cut it down to 25 minutes. So I don't know. I think I was just nervous. So when I finally saw it, I was like this. Okay. All right. Okay. That's nice. Okay. It's not as bad. Yeah. I was yeah. nervous. Um, I was very worried. Uh, and my family was very worried just because when I got off, I really did not know uh, which way they were going to edit me. And that is one thing I did know about the show is kind of you could be edited into a villain. You could be edited into you know, a very nice person. I was very lucky that they made me look nicer than I am or like, not that I'm not nice, but just that they really made me look like so kind and such a, I was like always crying, but not in a pitiful way, like in a way that made people feel bad for me. Um, so I, I actually enjoyed watching it because I, I really did not know which way it was going to go. So you have become kind of this outspoken critic of the franchise um, since you've come off the show. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, obviously anyone who's watched The Bachelor, The Bachelorette knows that it's a show that just plays into really heavily gendered kind of constructs. Um, and, you know, women snagging a husband, men winning a trophy wife, like it's, it's very basic in that way. Do you think that a show like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette can be quote unquote saved or, or fixed? 
I I think one thing that gives me hope is the fact that two former Bachelor producers produce Dating Around. So obviously they know that there are some things that they could do better. And I think that one thing that could push the show into finally changing their format and finally doing some things that they need to do in terms of casting is the audience members are starting to tweet at producers and tweet at Fleiss and say, you know, this is something we would like to see. Like on this season, uh, there's already a push for Mike to be The Bachelor, and that would be the first person of color to be The Bachelor, which is something that is way overdue in this franchise. But the thing is, like, I just can't be out there criticizing them because they're used to dealing with me and they're used to hearing me like criticize them openly. The audience has to step up and ask for these things as well. And I've seen some campaigns that have given me some hope lately. So I think it can be done. And it's a big audience. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it seems like at the time that you were on the show, you had a positive experience now you're very critical what was your journey to that point like what the more important journey (laughs) um so kind of some background on what happened is that I did get a great edit there's no reason for me to be really critical of the show except that uh my best friend on the show became bachelorette and I almost felt this need to protect her in a way so after I got off I started a blog that kind of pulled the curtain back on the production process And um, that kind of led me into, I guess, being a little more critical of them just because I would see how certain things were edited. She would tell me that's not what happened. Um, And then ABC hired me to write recaps for ABC.com. And then I found out a couple months later that a male who was actually doing some blogs was getting paid twice what I was getting paid. And then I was like, oh, yeah, you're going down. Um, But no, I I feel like I'm saying the things that everyone says in private. Um, I just never went on another Bachelor show. So I had every reason to bite the hand that fed me. Like, (laughs) I I, I didn't really care um, if they never had me on another show or not. And I I think the crazy thing is, is that I'm still friends with a lot of the producers. You, You can criticize the things that you love and people will still have respect for you. And I think that that's where a lot of people get it wrong. They think that someone's going to be mad at them or they'll, you know, hate you for saying that. But I think that people will have respect for you if you do say something. I'd love to hear if you have any thoughts on, like, are there specific things you can point to that you're like, people have spoken up about that or you've had conversations about with production about and you've actually seen a change? Um, so I think one thing that really came up during Becca's season is, um, I really wanted them to look into social media of the contestants more. And I really wanted them to make sure that the background checks were ironclad after what happened with Lincoln. Can you explain to just for anyone who might not know? Yes. Um, so during Becca's season, I was the one who kind of outed that, Uh, Garrett was a bigot and that he was opposite of everything that Becca stood for or at least I thought and I thought I was like warning her like hey girl you picked him but he's actually like against trans people and against gay people and again he thinks the people in the Parkland shooting were crisis actors like how can you possibly marry this guy and then she still picked him and they're still together 
So I, I chose what I know. So that did not change. Yeah, that didn't change anything. Um, but then also another thing that happened is I do a podcast with Reality Steve, and someone sent us an email that basically said, hey, you need to look into one of the contestants that was um, at the South Boston Courthouse. And Reality Steve was like, I'm not touching this. I looked more into it, and it turns out that he was a sexual offender. And somehow the show did not catch it. He had been arrested for this in 2016. The show aired in 2018. Like, what? I don't understand how they didn't catch this. This is, some, this is the reason why they perform background checks, to catch stuff like this. So then it's like, who else has, like, slipped through the system? Um, but so I think I annoyed them enough with speaking out about it. And this year, they actually released the contestants early, hoping that if there were stories about them, if someone did want to come forward to say, hey, you know, this person has done this. Um, yeah, so they did that. And actually, I think three contestants were booted off early before the season really got underway. So... Yeah, including Tyler G, who got the first one-on-one date, and suddenly he just yeah. like had to go. Yeah, there's a reason, reason why they let him go. Some reason he just had to part ways. Yeah, that was a positive change. Uh, Mila, I wanted to ask you about um, whether you'd watched any other dating shows before Dating Around, because obviously Dating Around, this was its first season. You couldn't really be prepared for what that would be like, but were you a consumer of dating TV for The Bachelor specifically, because of my girlfriend, she watches it. So <laughs> I would always like be in bed, be like, what's going on? What's happening? Um, but I think, you know, VH1, so when it was like uh, Rock of Love and you had like these very more uh, kind of dramatized uh, reality shows and like Flavor of Love, like that's what I had seen when I was younger, Tila Tequila on like MTV. <laughs> so that's what I had seen. So from that and going into the show, I didn't really know what to expect. It was kind of to your point of like when they were editing and everything, I was just like, how, like what's so, I, like exactly, like what's gonna happen? What is gonna be the outcome of this? Just from that small bit of knowledge from just like, you know, the kind of stereotypical reality shows. Are they going to add like speech bubbles next yeah, to my head? Like with weird jokes? Yeah. <laughs> I watched a lot of Blind Date as a kid. Uh, uh, what about Next? A real classic. Yeah. Also yeah, a disturbing yeah. thing to watch at a young age. Um, so we've talked a little bit about this, um, but Dating Around was uh, started by a former Bachelor producer, uh, Alicia Rossiter, and she explicitly uh, set out to make a dating show that was not so fixated on young, white, hetero people. Um, And she talked pretty openly about that. Um, Do you feel like the format was really successful um, in sort of remedying the the problem that The Bachelor and similar shows have of being very homogenous? Yes, because... I feel like every episode had something different to offer. You know, you had someone's um, just story, raw story really being put out there. Um, And it wasn't just like, hey, I'm from here and I like to, you know, whatever. It's 
I've been divorced. I was married. I was in love. You know, I got divorced. I'm back out there again. It was really able to appeal to a lot of people um, that I feel like a lot of reality dating shows hadn't done in the past. And it kind of put you on a on a um, a different level of I don't have to be this to date. I can be myself. I can have my own story. And like seeing yourself, I think it's so important um, just to see yourself when you turn on the TV is more than just, oh, I'm perfect, and like this is what's going to happen, and he's going to love me, he's going to be 5'5", five, five, whatever, whatever, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, no, I think that that is a really good point, because a lot of these reality shows, I mean, they are built around a model of presenting what is desirable and what is aspirational. And so when you only see And framing one, certain things as, yeah. As both of those things, right. So if you only see one model of what those things can be, then what kind of message, you know, is that sending to all the people watching? Do you think that reality dating TV is, is a worthy place for us to focus our attention on making it feminist friendly and diverse? Like, is that a medium that is worth saving do you think or is it too uh corrupt and frivolous i i think it can definitely be changed i feel like i do feel like the show dating around i felt like it did change a lot of people's perception of like oh wow i can be this um and I, I feel like with that step, there's going to be other shows and other producers that see that. And it's like, wow, there's a there's a want for this. It doesn't have to be this one thing. You know, we can make this, you know, broader and more diverse and, you know, with more people and more voices and people's stories um, to just think, be more inclusive. Did you get a big response once it aired? Yeah, I, I did. Yes. Um, I remember it came out on Valentine's Day and uh, me and babe, we were at dinner and my friend Kayla sent me a tweet. And uh, It was a girl and she was just like, I'm so, I feel so happy seeing, you know, Milan dating around as a black woman of color, I feel seen. And she had left to, my girlfriend had left to the bathroom and came back and I was crying like, oh my God. Because as a, as a queer person, I feel we all have our stories, good, bad, and you know, I have my own personal story, and I, with that, I, all I ever wanted to do was just inspire people, you know, and, and make it more than just about me and what I have been through, but actually make it like, no, you can do this, you can do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be, no matter your skin, no matter who you love. It doesn't have to be so fixated on the small things people focus on. Yeah, I think that's a great point to jump into our bigger discussion, our broader freeform conversation. The existential questions that we have about... <laughs> about whether dating shows can be feminist. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll hear more from our live panel at The Wing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Emma, what's the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would it be sleep? Would it be get a delicious pastry from the bake shop around the corner? Would it be, I don't know, get some actual writing done? Yeah, Ugh. read a book. I mean, my list is extremely long these days. There are Same. not a lot of hours <laughs> to spare. And, you know, a lot of us do spend our lives wishing we had more time. 
The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and actually make it a priority. Yeah, this is something that I am often working on with my therapist. It helps you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash love to see it. So it's been a few years now, but I still look back on my time planning my wedding so fondly. I mean, I was so excited to get married to my partner and to plan a big party that really reflected who we are and our friend groups and our families. And it was also very complicated and there were lots of moving parts. It wasn't always easy. Well, Claire, maybe you should have used Zola because you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place with Zola. Yes, I've thought this many times in the years since. I mean, with Zola, you have free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website. There's a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team. I mean, everything on Zola is just designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are super fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts that you actually want, Zola takes you from save the date right to thanks so much without breaking a sweat. When I was planning my wedding, honestly, it was just so hard to keep track of every component of the planning process, it would have been so much easier in retrospect and let me enjoy the really fun parts of planning a wedding more if I just had everything centralized. And that is exactly what Zola makes so easy. I mean, that is like the number one advice I would give anyone planning a wedding today. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Aloe Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly, truly have it all. Because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids, and now it's even harder because you're always doing pickup or drop-off. You're making a lunch. You're like dealing with some need that your children have or you're working. And Aloe Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in, in those spare moments when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class, I can do something that gets my heart rate up, and it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code LTSI20. alomoves.com code LTSI20. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new 
luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing... uh, and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like, I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, but I also have gotten really into, like, their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible, like, neoprene weekender bag, and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful. And I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. As they should, learning a language is so important. So if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel, the science-backed learning language app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is kind of wild. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college, aka so, so many days of waking up for an 8.30 class that I maybe didn't need to do at all. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Personally, I've been trying to brush up on some basic French because I am headed to go work from Paris for a few weeks and... It's been really helpful because my French is not good, but now I don't have to sound like such an idiot. (laughs) You can never sound like an idiot, but Babbel can definitely help. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. Before we get back to the show, we just wanted to remind everyone that we have our very first live ticketed show coming up at the Bell House in Brooklyn on July 25th. You can get tickets, which are almost two-thirds of the way sold out at thebellhouseny.com. So get them quickly before they run out. And now, back to the show. So we've talked a little bit about whether it's possible to make a dating show that's feminist. I think one question that often comes to mind for me when I ask myself whether a show, a dating show can be feminist is how can it be a feminist in a world that is populated by people who hold sexist beliefs, which is all of us. Um, Like we are representing real people enacting their expectations of each other, um, which is so closely tied often to gender. 
how can we make a feminist show when we're going to be just watching people being sexist to each other all the time? Um, is that something that we have to like take into account? Like, is a dating show just inherently going to reproduce that because the people on the show um, are are not totally pure of heart? I mean, I think it's a big question, and it's one that I definitely struggle with too. I think that Claire and I spend a lot of our time being like, "What are we doing? Is this like even worth watching? What it, you know, is this an important conversation to be having?" Um, I I feel like I almost come down on the side of you like we can do we can hold multiple truths at the same time. Like I don't know that necessarily a show like The Bachelor can be turned into some sort of feminist utopia. Um I also think that if you are a, a critical consumer of pop culture and you use pop culture that perhaps reproduces some of these more harmful stereotypes as a jumping off point for a conversation that can lead to change, then maybe that thing still has value. Um, and I guess my focus always is more on like, how can we be media literate? How can we be consuming things that might not always line up with our value systems in a way um, that is responsible and that isn't just taking that thing at face value. And also I think it's valuable to um, innovate and to create new versions of, of these stories of love and desire that don't just show a bunch of like white beauty queens and Instagram models uh, trying to make out with each other, you know, maybe. I would say I have a few thoughts. Uh, do you? I do. <laughs> um, one thing I really loved about dating around is I felt like women had the power in all of the episodes. And I think that's my biggest criticism with the bachelorette is that even though, um, she's giving out roses at the end of every episode, uh, it's still the guys asking for her parents hand in marriage. It's still the guy proposing at the end. Why can't the girl do any of that? And also, Probably my my biggest thing, and I know this started because for so long, um, The Bachelor was the dominant show. Contestants are not paid. And I really feel like that hurts in terms of getting a good cast because the people who try out for the show a lot of times can't quit their jobs to come on. And if they would actually pay them, it would help get people who had actual jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just think that for a long time they, they started that because they didn't want to pay the women. Um, they pay Bachelor in Paradise people. I don't understand why a show that films for longer and that has more... Well, and they the, make a lot of money off yeah, of these people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the original show is sort of like an internship. And exactly. then if things go really well, then they'll offer you a staff <laughs> position right. on and Paradise. Just like an unpaid internship, it caters to white wealthy people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it really does. I mean, I'm, I'm curious because I had a similar reaction to Dating Around what we think it is that made the... I mean, for example, uh, in Gerke's episode, The Divorced Woman... Um, she has one really awful date with an, a terrible dude who yells at her for having gone through divorce. Um, and it was, I thought, a really painful thing to watch because it was an instance where there was a contestant who was a sexist. And, 
Yet, I also didn't come away feeling like I had just watched a sexist program. Um, so I do think that there's something about dating around that sort of uh, absorbs the the sexism that we see in the world around us, but without feeling like it's perpetuating that. And I'm curious what we think it is about the structure that that had that effect. I do wonder if kind of spreading out the narrative and allowing the audience to just absorb what's happening rather than having it so carefully produced and framed with kind of in the moment interviews that create a very, very clear narrative helped that somewhat. Like you were, you felt more like a, a voyeur on someone's first date, the way that you would go to a bar in New York city and you might see two people and you might overhear like a, a dude just monologuing about himself to a woman, which I feel like has happened to me many times. I'm always like, Oh yeah. Second date. She's going to, it's going to be done. Um, and and you can take that in and analyze it yourself rather than kind of with The Bachelor, which is sort of telling you how to feel about each individual person in a pretty explicit way. You never hear a conversation between The Bachelor and the contestant unless it's a tragic story. Right. I also <laughs> think that The Bachelor likes to live uh, in a fake world in which value systems and politics and, and religion do, and cultural background do not impact the choices you make in terms of dating. And that's it's bullshit. It's bullshit and it's, and it's a conscious choice because The Bachelor's audience it spans a pretty diverse um, range of, I think, political views. And I think that their way of kind of getting those ad dollars and drawing in, you know, specifically white educated women across the political spectrum is to just sidestep these bigger conversations that young women are having in their dating lives completely. Um, and I think that that's something that always bothered me, but as I've watched the show for longer and longer, just bothers me more every single time. Um, I think, you know, especially given the political moment that we're in, it feels so insane to watch a show in which you wouldn't wouldn't be talking about these things. The only time I could applaud them recently is when they let Kaylin tell her story. And you could tell the cameras backed off. Of, and of sexual assault. Yes. For anyone who yeah. did not It's like one of the only season. times I think I've ever applauded them and letting a contestant tell a specific story. But she told Colton about her uh, rape at during her college years. Um and while it wasn't a perfect conversation, it is the first time I've ever seen them cover something and let her just talk and not go in close. Um, so, yeah, I, I wish there were more of those conversations. But why show something like that when they can show them awkwardly dancing to a country song? Those are my <laughs> favorite parts of the episode. I mean, actually. nothing is more romantic than slow dancing on a tiny platform in front of hundreds of strangers who have their cell phones filming you. It's every, it actually, every day it gives me on. a very similar feeling to watching The Office. I don't know what it is. Um, one thing that, that I was thinking about is the way that shows like The Bachelor, which are structured so artificially in a lot of ways by production really incentivize bad behavior because um, because it's attention grabbing and it makes the show more dramatic. Um, whereas I do feel like Dating Around really felt like a documentary. Like there was no reason for asshole dude to 
yell at Gerke so that he would, I guess, get them ratings. Like, that apparently just happened. So it doesn't feel as much to me like the show is running on this perverse need to to recreate, like, cartoonish sexism and abuse. I mean, is that the case? Was it really very just you were allowed to have the evening and they just were watching, or were they structuring it for you at all? I mean, I think, like, cameras moving, different scenes like that, it was probably the most structured thing we were given to do. Um, They would really just be like, okay, sit down and, you know, just talk. And... um, I, I do think that helped a bit because it was like an actual, actual date. You know, um, a lot of people are like, well, how, how do you, can you go on dates and everybody, everyone, so many people be around, but it's really like after a while, if I'm just like sitting, talking to someone, you forget that the cameras are around because you're real. They're really just like giving you that time to talk, giving you that time to really get to know that person. You know, it's just like, we've already forgotten. You guys are here. <laughs> I was going to say, did it ever feel like, anyone you were on a date with was playing to the camera or it seemed like that they were trying to play a certain character or anything like that? Because I think I think they can probably tell from you that you want to actually find a connection, but you don't know that necessarily with other people. So did you ever feel like there was someone who... No, if anything, I felt maybe nerves from across the table. But I mean, I'm like, I definitely understand that, you know? Um, Because, you know, we're all nervous. Everyone in here is just like, hi, no one knows each other. Um, But I I felt like, you know, on the dates, everyone was pretty genuine, or as genuine as they could possibly be with a blind date. And, you know, being kind of forced in a sense to just like, okay, we're gonna get to know each other for five, six hours, let's go, you know? Something that uh, Claire and I have also talked about a lot is how, you know, Dating Around is not the first show that has kind of sprung up as a reaction to The Bachelor. Um, The show Coupled, I don't know if anyone here has seen it, but it was another network show that was also created by uh, a former producer of The Bachelor. And they really marketed marketed it as something that was supposed to be different, that was supposed to have more diversity, that was going to feature conversations about things like abortion. Um, and, and that would have some sort of gender equality right, baked some, into right, it. Some sort of gender equality baked into the actual structure of it. Um, and yet it pretty much completely failed. Like, we watched it. I don't know if anyone else did. Okay, yes. Okay, great. At, the three of us watched it. it was it was fun it was fun it was a little bit convoluted but it was really fun and yet it made almost no splash um and something that I think Claire and I have circled is like what is it about these reaction shows that might almost not be quite as compelling as The Bachelor which is so simple and also so heteronormative and so so deeply gendered like where what is it about that that compels us that might not compel us as much when you know we're trying to fix it yeah I mean this is something that I feel enormous guilt about all the time I mean I loved coupled I love dating around um but there is a a sort of page turning quality to a show like the bachelor that I think is linked 
to how toxic it is. Um, it's hard to look away from when you feel like you're watching a car crash. And it has a very controlled car crash vibe. Like, I'm always like, oh, no. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, no. But I can't look away. Whereas dating around felt very soothing. I felt very, like, comforted by it. But that's a different... It doesn't have that gripping factor, I think. But I think also it's the the format, right? Like, Netflix shows don't have the same kind of um, rating system and pervasiveness as as an ABC yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if as Netflix continues to dive into reality TV, if we're going to see kind of just a more general shift in the landscape of reality television. Because Netflix's offerings overall seem to be sort of a little bit more mundane. And I don't mean that in a negative way, a, um, a little soothing, the way that Marie Kondo, the Marie Kondo show, so many people were like, this is really boring, but I also love it. And I watched all of it. Like I was obsessed with that show. I was obsessed with dating around, watched it all in one night. Like these shows are highly consumable, but they do kind of hit a different emotional center than something like The Bachelor, where I am like voraciously consuming it and at the same time like screaming at my televisions at the entire time. And I wonder if if that in like a twisted way feels satisfying in some way. It's like a fairy tale car accident. Like you know that Cinderella and the prince are probably gonna die in the end, but you like still wanna watch it. And I think that even right now, even as much as we're watching the news and as much as we're criticizing the show, it's almost nice to like turn off your brain for those two hours and either like bitch about it to your friends or talk to your coworkers about it. And I'm not saying that's a great thing, but it's almost like something that unifies us. It's like way. that onion headline. <laughs> What's that onion headline? That's like femi- like feminist, like pauses for two hours to watch television show. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do feel like that sometimes, but I also know that Emma and I at least uh, are, are still feeling very feminist when we watch like, because I think that a show that enacts a lot of toxic sexist behaviors uh, can feel like looking at a specimen in a Petri dish. Like you're like, this is what I'm talking about. And it's very clear once I look at it through a microscope, which is what The Bachelor, I guess, is for sexism. Um, yeah, a controlled experiment. <laughs> of sexism. Right. Um, And so there is something for me that I am frustrated by the sexism of the show. I want it to be better, but then also there is a perverse satisfaction I have when it fucks up because that is when I really feel like it's um, reflecting the cruelty and and injustice that exists in the world. Like, I'm like, that's right. That sounds about right. Like... (laughs) And now we can talk about it, you know, without, you know, talking about the news. We can just talk about The Bachelor, but still be talking about all the cruelty and injustice. Um, But is that, I mean, I feel like that is a perverse thing for me to want to hold on to that. I think it's fine to be like, oh, I'm happy for them when they end up together and they end up getting married. But then also when they don't, you're like, ha ha, I knew it would never work. You know, we contain multitudes. Yeah. Um, one, one other aspect is that the show uh, Dating Around has multiple protagonists. It's a different protagonist in every episode. Um, a show like The Bachelor is w- one story all the way through. 
Um, and there are, I think, ups and, ups and downs to that, pros and cons. Um, and one, I think, advantage as a storyteller is that it, it's easy to get people really attached to a story if it's about a character that they identify from the week before and the week before. Um, but it also means that you're going to end up with just one person, one relationship that you're talking about. Um, and, and I think that that can, can result in, in sort of perpetuating this homogenized vision of what dating is. Um, when we see a show that's trying to really diversify, it's often more of a, a show like Coupled that had a big cast and it had a lot of different couples dating. And it was quite diverse for a network dating show. Um, or, or like dating around. The Bachelor seems to keep circling back to having a white lead and a bunch of white contestants. Um, so how, how do we, is there a way to really diversify a, a show like The Bachelor, which has faced lawsuits, it's tried to make improvements, it had a black bachelorette, but it does seem to keep being pulled back to this very white place, very middle class, middle upper class, able-bodied, like it's, it's got a very specific place it keeps going back to. Yeah. Spivey, do you feel like that is inherent to the model of it? Or like what what would your suggestion be? Um, I think yeah. that a lot of it starts with casting. And I think that they really have to break out of the size zero blonde haired girl uh, or the athlete white dude whenever they're casting for these shows. And I've actually posed the question on Twitter before where I say, what's the number one thing you would want to see from the show? And people say like a size spectrum where they are just tired of seeing skinny white girls on the bachelor. I just, I mean, I, I feel like it's an easy thing to fix. Like, you know those aren't the only people trying out for the show. Like, I went to an open casting call. I saw a bunch of different girls there. It's just that's not who's being picked. So what do you think the fear is for, for making that leap? I think that production of the show tends to be uh, more progressive and liberal. And I think the biggest criticizers of the show tend to be more progressive and liberal uh but then their base audience is uh probably a little wider than you think and they're the ones who uh threaten to not watch the most if it's not going to be that type of audience and i i think that um they love to talk about rachel Lindsay's ratings for why they wouldn't try something different uh, but then, I mean, you look at Bachelorette's after her, and they had lower ratings than her. So I don't, I don't understand why that's still the argument. Right. It seems like more a product of just the TV landscape right. and the fact that people aren't watching network television as right. much. Yeah. And to speak to the, the audience question, uh, we did look this up. Uh, during Rachel's season, 13% of the, of the Bachelorette's audience was black. That was double 2016's proportion. Right. I, so. I feel like they would gain a new audience. For anyone who didn't turn in or tune in, they would gain a lot of people who hadn't watched the show before because they didn't feel like they were being represented. It does seem like the show, though, is built on this very specific um, ideal of what love is that seems very culturally to me like white middle class like 
here's a, a man with a job and a woman who Any job. used to have a job maybe or um, was. But she will move <laughs> and give up her career. She, she moves. Yeah. She gives up her career that he proposes with a giant diamond. They get married. Um, three years later, they have children. Like it's a very specific model. And I wonder if that's part of the reason that the audience, uh, a very white audience, is so attached to it. And if that's not a concept that is easily, you know, spread to like the the rest of the country to to the people who are not currently obsessing over the show and maybe that's you know maybe we should just let the bachelorette die like is that where i'm going with this i don't know it seems like the we keep trying to adapt it and update it but it seems like the fundamental relationship model is so constrained and restrictive and of its of of the image that it was initially conceived in. It hasn't been very flexible. I don't know. I would say on Colton's season, they did have 11 women of color. So that was, that was a step in the right direction. The casting has certainly become more diverse, but we've still seen contestants of color make it significantly, like, fewer episodes in, which then minnows the pool of people that could then be the next lead which then perpetuates that same kind of model and I think that's sort of where Claire's point about it focusing just on one protagonist inherently limits it especially because they have sort of backed themselves into a corner of wanting to continue a narrative and therefore pull from the season before Um, so if someone doesn't make it to the final four like they've sort of often written them off. I mean, Hannah, who is the lead on The Bachelorette right now, she was not Final Four. So maybe maybe we'll see that kind of shift. But um, I do think they would have to probably not just like do like a one-off lead that isn't like a, you know, white software salesman from Michigan, like to kind of make a real sustained change. And I do wonder if there is like the the will there to even to even want to do that when it's such a cash cow. I mean, they picked a farmer from Iowa and people still showed up. So I feel like Prince farming. Yeah. They, they've just got to stop picking one of the truly most boring people yeah. that Claire and I have ever met. Yeah. So yeah. just stop picking me- mediocre white dudes. And I mean, that is a lesson <laughs> that could be applied like across. Yeah. I mean, it was also country. the least interesting episode of dating around. I'm sorry. I was just like, you have to not pick like just a normal white dude until the first they, episode. until they suffer a little bit more, you know, until they have some more things to talk about. Uh, yes. The first episode. Um, yeah, so I guess where this is kind of leading us, I guess, is, is the future of dating TV in like a pluralistic society, an anthology type show? Like, are we going to need dating shows that are less focused on like one image of what love should be? Is, is that just something where we really should let go of in order to, to have a kind of dating TV that reflects what is actually happening in people's lives. What do you think, Mila? It's, I mean, I know we're going to have to because it's, it's like, yeah, everyone has their guilty pleasures. Um, reality TV is kind of the poster child for, you know, that guilty pleasure. But with the times of everything um, and just, again, 
there's a there's a huge melting pot that are living and watching these you know tv shows and reality shows and you just really have to have the reflection of that um so i definitely know that again from watching the bachelor even you said like the progression of it people are seeing oh my god there's a need like yeah there are you know farmers white farmers watching this in kansas you know watching these shows but there's also diverse people that want to see oh my god i can be on the bachelor or i can you know whatever you want to do but they want to see themselves reflected um on tv they just don't want to see the same you know mundane over and over and over again because you know and the excuse also can't be that oh well i'm scared of losing ratings no there's a world out there that is way more than what you're you know portraying and if anything you would get more money and more views because wow you're being inclusive now wow you're telling a bigger story and having a bigger narrative than just i'm frank from colorado they're all named you know? frank yeah <laughs> frank from colorado so, definitely exists somewhere. yeah he wears a patagonia it. vest Definitely a Patagonia vest. He's, he's and there is nothing wrong with that. I just want to say for the record. No, they're great. He's, but there's know. Frank's great. Okay, <laughs> it's, we're not shitting on Frank. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's funny to me to think of how we might have to to think about our guilty pleasures as like, can we replace this almost with another guilty pleasure? Like, does my guilty pleasure have to be this divorced from? from the real world I live in? Does it have to be this um, old fashioned and retrograde um, for me to feel like I'm escaping from my daily life by watching it? And more and more I feel like, no, I, sh I, shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't feel like a guilty pleasure is not something that, that I should ever have to give up. We need to expand our idea of what the right. I feel guilty like, and not so guilty pleasures might look like. Exactly. Like I think that you can have a guilty pleasure TV show that is that is more reflective of of America. I really do. And in the meantime, we'll be continuing to uh, push the Bachelor forward. Hopefully, maybe. So I think this is like a perfect note for us to end on. I don't know if anyone has any questions. I know that we are open to them. For anyone here? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, has there has anyone on the internet ever tried to pitch like an LGBTQ bachelor or bachelorette? Um, there was a uh, a gay bachelor on logo. On logo. What was it called? Thank you. Yes. Finding Prince Charming. Finding Prince Charming, which I did watch, yeah. and it was. Um, it was pretty directly based on The Bachelor. There was like a, a ceremony where he would give out ties or something <laughs> instead of roses, that sort of thing. Um, and I, I thought that it uh, was an interesting, um, an interesting flip. Um, but of course, uh, I don't think the ratings were that great. So this is what often happens: is that it wasn't really tailored to maybe the actual audience and it was more just like what if we took exactly the bachelor and we just did that again but with gay guys and i think that maybe, and also i'm pretty sure it was still pretty overwhelmingly white yeah no yeah. it was still still a lot of issues and i think was hosted by lance bass um <laughs> just plumbing my memory for everything about that show right now 
Um, yeah, like it's definitely come up and it's something that has been tried. Um, and I think maybe this is just a moment when it needs to be a, a bigger, more creative leap to, to do a dating show that's of the moment. Cause I think the whole bachelor model just hasn't worked when people have tried to recreate it, but who knows? Maybe there's been a bi again. contestant on the bachelor. Um, Jamie, I forget which yes. season yes. Jamie she's King. Nick's. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel like they kind of exploited her on yeah. bachelor in paradise. Um, but in whenever I pose this question to Twitter on what they would like to see more of, that's another thing that really comes up is they'd like to see more gay and bi contestants. Um, it's just, it's just very hard to work that into such a heteronormative structure. So, I mean, they'd really, they really have to like reimagine a lot about what the show is, which I think is a very worthy goal. Um, so you started the conversation out with um, asking, uh, posing it as a rhetorical question that can dating, specifically dating reality shows, can they ever be progressive or can they ever be feminist? And uh, you say it as if it hasn't happened before. And for, I think for me, I think dating around is very progressive for what it is. And so and you keep mentioning this utopian idea of a feminist dating reality show. Can this happen? Can this ever happen? And then you also mention our guilty pleasures. And can we keep our guilty pleasures if, like, but by still supporting something like The Bachelor? But my question is, is these reality shows exist because there's a demand for them. So doesn't that inherently start with us, the viewers? So what is your idea of this utopian feminist reality show? And is it actually the producers or is it us who have the power to? Shouldn't we start to change? Yeah, I think it's both. I think you're absolutely right. And it kind of speaks to what Ashley was touching on before, that there has to be audience demand um, for change, for us to see new things. And, and I think that that's part of why we wanted to start our podcast in the first place is to kind of have a public forum to speak really openly and critically and from a kind of a loving place um, about a show that has such a wide reach. And I also agree that Dating Around is a pretty great example of what a more feminist, progressive dating show can look like. And I am very curious to see... Um, if it can sustain, if there will be, you know, season after season after season, because I think that's the thing that has set the Bachelor franchise apart from other shows is that it has this immense staying power. And I, and, and I, you know, I think that Claire and I also circle the question of like, are we doing something harmful by even being a part of the Bachelor ecosystem? And like, I don't know that I've honestly come to a good answer for myself. Um, yeah, I yeah. agree. I, I think the more we talked about it, the more I really felt like dating around kind of embodies everything I would yeah. look for in a, in a feminist dating show. And I think part of the question, can there be a feminist dating TV show is more whether it's something that the audience will keep asking for. Um, because there are ways to, to create a structure for that. Um, and when you see a show like coupled fail, um, imperfect as it was, um, that make that puts you back a little bit. You think like maybe the audience isn't going to support this. And then you think 
I'm perpetuating support through my viewership, uh, through my discussions with people um, about the show and encouraging people to watch The Bachelor. I'm like, I'm per perpetuating that. So that is something we think a lot about um, is like, how do you start shifting from, we watch The Bachelor because it's what we have and we're critical of it to there's a better place for us to be directing our attention. Like, is yeah. that a shift that, that, that the audiences are ready to make. And that's a conversation that we're candidly still still having amongst ourselves, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say you're right that it definitely does have a lot to do with the viewers. And even from my perspective, think about the fact that I was on it in 2011. I've been criticizing it every year since, and I feel like it just finally started resonating with people last year. I, like. During Rachel Lindsay's season, I made a big to-do about the racist that was on her season. During Caitlyn's season, I was so enraged by how they were slut-shaming her the entire time. But it took, you know, me really kind of speaking out during Becca's season last year for it to finally, like, stick with people. And that's why I think that it can't just be me, like, shouting into a void, and it can't be you know, Emma and Claire having a podcast, like it, it has a lot to do with the audience too, but it, it just has to be that other people have to like stand up and say, we want more, we deserve better, give us something better to watch. Yeah. I think Emma and I talk about being critical consumers a lot. And that's something that I think is really important because you can't make every piece of media out there utopian and perfect. But I also sometimes wonder if by, by focusing so much on that, I'm letting the show off the hook a little bit. Um, and I'm letting often like pretty young women who aren't getting paid, like kind of be the face of critique of, of the critique that we're making. And, and I don't think that's ideal. Like I would like to see a world in which people did not have to go on the bachelor and be made to look terrible in order for us to talk about feminism. Um, so I hope that, that there is a shift that is continuing to happen, because I do think we've started to see it. I mean, I guess your conversation has really reminded me, at the end of Ari season, I kind of reached my breaking point with The Bachelor, and watching how they treated Becca in that live rehashing of their breakup, um, and then I stopped watching it for a while and then, you know, friendships and gossip and things kind of drag you back in, even if you're not really on board anymore. I was just wondering if any of you had a sort of similar moment where you just really thought this is striking. Like I just didn't understand until this moment how, I don't know the ramifications of this. I mean, personally for me, I think that, um, that Rachel's season really shook me a lot. Um, and it was followed very closely thereafter by the Bachelor in Paradise season that had had sort of news leaking out during Rachel's season about an alleged sexual assault on set. And Rachel's season, you know, watching Lee, the racist contestant, um, and his quote-unquote feud with, with Kenny um, was very upsetting like that that season was really we had a lot of conversations about whether we should stop making the show during that season because we didn't want to watch anymore um and the back the becca breakup was another painful moment um i've had a lot of friends um, my parents understandably stopped watching the show um 
And I, I feel like maybe that's, I encourage people to stop watching if they don't want to watch anymore. I really strongly encourage that. Um, because at this point, I feel like though the show has made some strides forward, um, there continue to be these really upsetting uh, moments that, that make you very aware that these people are being often kind of exploited. And that's not something that we support. Hi, guys. Um, first, I just want to say, Ashley, your work with James Taylor is incredible. Uh, I just want to give you a heads up. Like, I just, you, he's the worst, and you just bodied him. Um, he truly is the worst. <laughs> he's trash. I hate him. Um, I also recap The Bachelor. And so, as it's, as I've noticed that the media that covers the show happens to also be reflective of the people who watch it and the people who are participating in it. So, for a while, the only people of color covering The Bachelor were me and Allie Barthwell over at Vulture. We love Allie. And I think she's a queen. I love her and I strive to be her. But like, I always wondered what, like you as as white women, what um, your perspective on seeing a lot, a lot of these, we've seen, I've seen, also seen the show, a lot of a rise in coded behavior and coded communications and like especially with the women talking like the whole thing with Demi the way she talked to uh what's her face this last season that was a whole coded conversation where a white woman was gaslighting a black woman and and I always wonder if you feel like there's a responsibility as white women to acknowledge that behavior and call it out or if you wish there was and if you what you wish they would do more about that kind of thing. Because I think that's a... Oh, absolutely. I think we feel a complete and total responsibility as white women who consume the show, who have a platform to speak to other white women because those are the majority of the people who are watching this show and receiving those messages that these things are desirable or that this behavior is okay um, or that that is, you know, we, we so often on these kind of shows see the um, contestants of color because there are so few of them pigeonholed into these really, really harmful, harmful stereotypes and, and tropes. And so Again, that's where I go back to the importance of having critical consumers of these really, really big shows. And that's probably why I haven't just bowed out and said, I'm done with this, is because there are millions of people who watch this show every single week, and many of them are not necessarily consuming it critically. Um, And... I don't mean that to be condescending, but we don't integrate into our conversations about pop culture in general a critical lens often, um, especially when it is something that people are invested in kind of, again, divorcing from these value systems because it does feel good to escape. So I see our show as a place that people can come who and not feel horrible about themselves for enjoying something that might be seen as frivolous or silly or even at times like counter to their values and engage in a discussion about the real messages that those things are sending. And um, I, I really wish that the show would stop playing these uh, white women's behaviors that, you know, as cute. I think that's something that we talk about a lot, especially with with Demi that, and with Corinne, um, these white blonde women who are able to be quite cruel, who are often able to speak um, 
really aggressively towards, especially towards women of color and have it be framed as, again, as cute, as adorable, as desirable, as funny. And um, we know that if, you know, the scripts were flipped, that that is not how it would come off and that those people would not be fan favorites. Um, And so, yeah, I absolutely feel that we have a responsibility to call that out and also to, again, push the show to cast fewer of those people. Uh, You know, I think that that is, yeah, the fact that they are invested in creating those characters and that those characters are then lifted up by the show and by the fans then creates an ecosystem where people are incentivized to come on the show and act in those ways. So um, I think that the show, the production could play a role in stopping kind of that cycle of incentivization. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's also, it is on the audience, it's on people like us who are white women watching to notice how support coalesces around people like Demi and, and what the root of that is. Um, and so that's something that, you know, when I started watching the show, I didn't know very much about and through reading other people's writing and through paying closer attention to what was going on, um, I became more critical of those things and that's what we try to impart. I mean, I, I love when people um, who are not white women write about the show because I think it adds so much that we miss a lot of stuff and we're, you know, we come from our perspective. But I also do think that we have an extra responsibility. Um, I, I have seen this, uh, you know, a study recently where, you know, if, if someone who is perceived as a white man on Twitter calls out racist language, the account is much more likely to stop that behavior than if it's a person of color. And so there is this like this privilege and this, you know, associated duty to, to speak to people um, from that shared perspective. Um, And Demi was a really, she gave us a lot to work with. So yeah, (laughs) that's a really great, great thing to bring up. Thank you. Um, I feel like this week's episode was a little bit tough to watch, just watching Luke S. be, like, first, like, criminally assaulted and then, like, victim-blamed and victim-shamed and slandered and gaslighted. And, like, watching Hannah, like, believe it all and then also, like, seem to, like, be generally having a meltdown every episode is, like, a little bit painful for me this season. So I guess my question is, like, do you have, like, a hot take on Hannah and, like, how she's she's handling things? And, like, do you think she's a good bachelorette or a bad one? And, like, too soon to tell. I do think that Hannah is kind of reflecting back probably a lot of the messaging that a lot of young women have received about what is desirable. And what I find fascinating is that we actually kind of see her grapple with that in real time. She is really been socialized to believe that, like, male aggression uh, especially on her behalf is desirable is what you know the role that a man in her life should play and at the same time she's clearly picking up on some of these red flags and feeling unsettled by them and I think that is a really good um, just it, it really shows how harmful a lot of the tropes that young women are fed about what love looks like, specifically heterosexual love, um, and, and how that can kind of validate um, more abusive tendencies. Yeah, absolutely. I try not to have hot takes on bachelorettes because I'm super nice, but um, Hannah isn't 
perhaps my favorite, <laughs> um, in part because we are so different um, in terms of what we look for in men. And so it has been really hard to see her openly, you know, looking for that kind of aggression and that kind of masculinity. But it's it's true. I think that she is maybe learning a little bit. And And I think this is a dynamic we see crop up frequently on The Bachelorette, which is uh, an aggressive man is perceived as desirable by The Bachelorette. The the man who is his target is perceived as wimpy and weak and kind of pathetic and whiny and why didn't he just deal with it himself and like not make a big thing out of it. Um, but I remember Evan's storyline. I was going to say, Evan and yeah, Chad. And, and Evan really came off as very... Petty, uh, petty and weak but you know what Evan's great and like he is in a great marriage now and like is doing fine so I think that the show ends up setting up very normal modern men who have a healthy sense of masculinity in a very negative light um yeah through these encounters and it's I'm disappointed to see that playing out again this it's season very frustrating I think we could you know really stand to move away from that in 2019 hi um, I don't watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, but I have watched your show, Mila, and I was wondering if you had any um, intentions of doing reality TV again, and if there were any negative consequences of being on the show or negative experiences you had after being on, because it sounds like you had a pretty good experience throughout the filming, but like, were, are there any ways that you interact with the public or people that meet you or anything like that that have made you question whether you would do it again? Um, well, thank you for watching. Um, no, I hadn't encountered any like negative, um, negative feedback. Uh, I don't know if I did do reality TV again. I mean, it wouldn't be dating, but um, it would just have to be on maybe a proper, uh, a proper term that really uh, stood for what I believed in. Um, so where, because I, I really am about like putting messages out there that mean something. Um, and, and if I'm going to be put on a platform, I really do want to send a message to those, you know, my age, younger, older, that don't have a voice, that don't live in New York, that don't really have to see like the diversity that we see on a day to day basis. Um, and, and have it be a positive message at that. Um, but yeah, the feedback has just been really positive. I mean, from Taiwan to Austria to like Kenya, it's been like really, really great. So from that, I, I definitely would do something. Dating like around that. is like the show to be on. You just get a lot of love and no one is like, yeah, producing you into a corner. Sounds nice. Um, I'm actually a really like loyal fan to the Bachelor franchise. Uh, I think I watched it for like a few years now. As I think as I am like a queer woman of color, I do feel included in watching the show because I do feel like it is in includes everybody in a dialogue of like we're all nosy of other people's dating life <laughs> and we want to know what you say on dates and we want to know what you do and as that I think that's why they have such a big audience and why it's such an international show that it kept going on for decades and I do think it is a successful model. As we were talking before, I think my question is more of just, are we, should we keep more questioning the model of The Bachelor because there are a lot of questionable things? Or should we push for a feminist dating show? Or should we push for another dating around? Or should we push for another lesbian dating show or a gay dating show? Or a just 
an all-inclusive show and more seeing these models because unlike a type of shampoo, you can actually watch different types of dating shows. I can't watch what like a revelation. 20, exactly. I can watch 20 dating shows because it is interesting and we're just we don't have to pick and choose and we can watch them all. Or because I do feel like instead of just saying that we need to push for one direct model as in like, oh, we're doing a gay parade and all of a sudden straight people don't feel included anymore so they want a straight parade. Or should we just push for different models of products because like then people can pick and choose and we don't have to have the type of conflict. And I want to know what you guys think about like should we push for the Bachelor to be more woke, or should we push for more shows? Maybe both. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think that also hits on you know who is allowed to get through the door to make these shows. Um, you know, looking at the entertainment industry as a whole and the gaps in diversity there. Like maybe it is just about allowing new and different kinds of creators in the door and giving them a platform and saying create something and let's see who who will watch it Um, because that's also probably why we've ended up with these kind of more homogenous models and also when you're talking about networks I think there's like a few gatekeepers who are worried about money and so they are very focused on like oh well that model's been successful so that's where we stop it Um, but I definitely think that there's room for a whole plethora of dating shows and then maybe it would take the kind of the emphasis off of a show like The Bachelor if you have, you know, these array of options. Like, I love having lots of different kinds of dating shows to watch. Um, I definitely don't feel the need to pick one. But The Bachelor's, like, cultural hegemony is so, like, entrenched. And that is what tends to make me feel like, oh, I should knock it down. Because to have that particular model be so be the one that we all... Uh, you know, see on our TVs on Monday nights and that we, you know, recap and talk about over the water cooler um, makes it, uh, makes that kind of the default. And those other shows um, don't have that same kind of cultural sway. Um, And I would love to see a more pluralized sort of terrain of dating shows where, where a show like Dating Around has similar, like a similar presence in the marketplace. Um, and, and I think the point about access really speaks to that. Okay. Thank you guys so much for coming and letting us talk forever. <laughs> Thank you, Mila and Ashley. Everyone gives me a huge round of applause. Thanks for having us. And that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks to our guests, Ashley Spivey and Mila Holifield, and to our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Also, a big thanks to The Wing Dumbo for hosting us. Please subscribe to Here to Make Friends wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a moment of Hannah's season recaps or, of course, any bonus episodes. And give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps other people discover the show. You can also give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back on Tuesday for episode five of The Bachelorette. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. 
Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University, that's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. Sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.